Hey guys, got another special guest today. Savannah, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, uh, my name is Savannah. Uh, do you want me to say a bit more? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so just tell everyone <laughs> what you're up to right now, what you've been up to the last couple of years. Okay, um, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm three days into my first job, having finished uni. It's, it's really weird because you've started the next stage and I don't know how on earth I've done, like in the actual degree, because I'm still waiting for results. Oh, wow. Um, so that's kind of daunting, but yeah, um, I've recently been elected as um, education officer of our students' union, um, Little Flex. I think Sheffield's like the best students' union in the country right now, so it's quite oh, a lot. You know, I've heard so many different people say that. They were saying yes. that. I know like Cardiff say that they were the best student union. Cardiff need to relax. Maybe in the way was, yeah. It's, it's literally between us and Loughborough, depending on which poll you look at. Do you get what I mean? Like, there's like four yeah. main polls. Yeah. And then, it's like two two or three two what three one I can't remember but yeah um, Sheffield's an amazing SU honestly and I, even though like obviously I'm doing this role now I don't even think I use the SU to its full capacity and that's probably why I ran because I think there's people like me who don't and they should because it's there for them and it can only cater to you if it knows what you want if that makes sense so yeah and um this year has been crazy like um, yeah. I mean I'm quite happy with the position I'm in now considering to how I felt at the beginning of the year because I was kind of down for like the first semester because I was supposed to be studying in Paris and um, you know it would have been a great opportunity because um, it was a, it was a great uni Sciences Po and I think it came like second to Harvard in the world for my degree politics politics and international relations so it was nice to like have that prestige um like at arm's length and again, just the fact that, I don't know, like, I just know I'm not going to bump into another working class Jamaican brummy. Like, just that, you know, I wanted, I wanted to make, I want to, I like stepping into spaces that yeah. others like me haven't been in before so that others can come along. And it's kind of sad when that's kind of just like grabbed from you. But I suppose um, it's all about mixing and matching and finding other options. And that's what I guess I'm trying to do with this education officer role. I think I'm the first black officer who's done this role um nice. so yeah the SU is really old so like to you know it's been about for a while so for it to happen now um is nice I suppose it had and so you know making the way for other people is yeah, something I'm trying to do yeah get get Cardiff out of the way the last little bit you need is just <laughs> it's gonna come from you it's gonna come from you, <laughs> you know, I mean Cardiff do your thing in it but just don't claim titles that I'm, I haven't <laughs> <laughs> exactly well that's that's amazing and um obviously we first met when in student politics so that was what we were saying this yesterday three two years ago in 2019 um as we don't know if we can say this word anymore but then it was, it was the BAME <laughs> officers uh and it was basically guess what I wasn't even a BAME officer I was oh. in a BME councillor because the thing with our universities we had a SU council about 46 members you know departmental roles and stuff and they had one role for a BME councillor and I was in first year knew nothing about student politics and my friend like me and my friend were like oh let's for bands like just apply for it yeah because yeah we might as well like why not and um and I won that role and the NUS delegate role because you can it can it doesn't have to be you it could have been anyone yeah. And so I won't go for those roles with literally no experience of student politics. And when I got to the conference, I was so confused. Like people were like, oh, they're BAME officers. I was like, we don't have one. 
And we even won, remember we won an award for best SCU. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so confused because at the time I didn't think about it, but I was like, yeah, they are good for black students. But then when I got back to Sheffield, I was like, why do we not have a BME officer? Like, we we don't have, like, we literally have a women's officer. We had a women's officer who covered LGBT um, and and race issues. And it was like, and it was just like, it would always be like a random like and you just kind of shoved it under so for years we've been campaigning for something like something like because minorities officers because they would always say if you have a BAME officer then we need an LGBT officer and then we need this and we need this and finally this year the first year that we've had a liberation officer who happens to be one of my friends from high school which is really nice so there you go really a good high school turning out some big people honestly yeah like um it was it's weird like it's someone I never even spoke to at school but then we've just both ended up on this committee together and I think it's again like the first time there's been I think three black people on the committee much less three black women so yeah it's pretty it's been pretty revolutionary in that sense yeah definitely and that's really weird about the having a woman officer as a title but technically you're accounting for like for example gay men in that with the other two <laughs> literally they did everything it wasn't even fair on the officer themselves like it was just really yeah. silly and I think they were just again so worried about what to call it and I was like I, I don't know liberation does in some ways have some connotations like I think I really liked obviously I'm really happy that my friend won but I also like something another candidate said in the debate where she was like she is conscious that there's a kind of white saviorism the kind of sound to the liberation. Kind of liberation officer like to liberate the minorities from like yeah whatever change or something but um I think it's one of those things with politics where sometimes you just can't get the perfect word as long as yeah. it's functioning um that's the best we can do sometimes yeah. even like, I mean, like half that conference is this, the name not even any policy towards helping people <laughs> that was hilarious yeah. like I thought it was gonna kick off I thought like <laughs> Yeah, it was having like yeah. literally it's called Black Students Conference and I go there and literally like the people on the committee are even black. And so I'm so confused. And then obviously <laughs> they explain they explain it's political blackness and what the hell? Yeah, like political black. which I if you understand if you like look at the history of how the word black has been used and how it's used as like an exclusionary term, it makes sense. But to a lay person, it's just like what are you guys talking about it would make sense but then it was like everybody like political blackness and all like and minorities and that that kind of like joint fight thing apart from anybody who's white kind of thing it was like i don't know because there was a lot of people that i mean they would be white passing as far as i was concerned but yeah specifically say like oh if you're polish for example from an impoverished background that's different and it's there's just so many like fluid and weird boundaries yeah so i messy. saw um someone sent me an article the other day um, you know, like how I just have random friends that online friends who I speak about politics with, and they sent me an article like saying, "This is this white Jewish guy saying he was disgusted to go to a conference and they called him black, and he was like, he doesn't want to like be called black, like because he's not, he doesn't want to claim something that he isn't, which is like a valid yeah. point, but he didn't understand that the conference he was going to was talking about political blackness, and in that case, Jewish people did like come under that. Right, I've, I've never ever heard of this in my whole life. I've never heard of political blackness encompassing non-black people. What? 
just like Indian people were called black before. You know, Sharky always goes on about this. Yeah, I was going to make that point in the 80s, at least. I've seen plenty of like video footage of like um, groups, um, civil rights groups and Indians consider themselves black. Or I'd read a document, you could read a document from the 1800s and they're saying, oh, not 1800s, let's say like 1940. And they'll be like, oh, it's our first black police officer and it's an Indian man with a turban but they yeah. call anyone who wasn't white black because it's an exclusionary term because black is means you might be black in England but you might not be black in Brazil like because it, it depends like on yeah race is you know crazy so Indian. the only other people running for yeah, Birmingham yeah were Indian. that's why I won I think <laughs> they, they're all Indian. and they had a by-election because I guess no one not enough people wanted to go for it so yeah. uh yeah it's, it's a weird space but um yeah, Louise will find that out very soon, I think. <laughs> I missed the deadline, remember? I was so pissed off. <laughs> There's loads of positions to go in for. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Of course, let's start getting into some of our topics for today. So, what was the first one? Okay, so, shifting identity politics. So, like, when we met, we were both, you called it yesterday, um, radical centrists. <laughs> Where have you been at and how has, like, the last couple of years shifted you about? Yeah, it's so funny. Like, I'm not saying the political compass test is like the most accurate thing in the world, but I was literally like on in the middle of the cross, like right there in in the center. Um, but yeah, since then I went to university, obviously, and um, I've always been since like I've started uni, I've always been very open to like listening to different sides and everything, getting all perspectives. And so at the back of it's so it's so annoying. You know when you said the other day you hate having a brain, Louise. Um, <laughs> literally, I like, sometimes I will think something as in my primary thought, and then at the back is like some other like political like version of me. Like yeah, but what about what about this? So then it's like yeah. um, literally, I remember going to uni and being like maybe I'm just being brainwashed like Prager you said like these leftist universities trying to brainwash yeah 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 and then like when I was like no like logically this is making sense of the stuff I'm learning I learned some amazing stuff um one of my professors um John Hobson like he taught me a lot about um just like the slave trade in general I didn't expect to go into the module learning that but it came up because you had to speak about like globalization yeah. and um I don't know, it just really frustrated me how much of I realized school like had not kind of lied by mission. So you're telling me I'm going to the Black Country Museum to, you know, test out the cotton mills and all, but no one said where the cotton was coming from. Like I just feel so oh my scared. God, well, I went on that trip as well. Do you well, know what I mean? I like, it, was just, <laughs> it was just so out of touch, or like the fact that I've quoted so many times in exams that we owned like 25% of the world and we're so proud of this like, as a Brit. Me personally, I was I was proud, I was like, yo, 25%. <laughs> I don't know, but you don't know what the connotations of that yeah. are unless yeah. you actually go out of your way to look into it. And so yeah, I mean, even I know it sounds kind of I don't know how this is gonna sound, but even learning about the nuances of um the transatlantic slavery how Africans actually were not just like kidnapped or tricked but they'd actually had well-established um you know um, trading systems with Arabs for like five centuries before if anything the Brits learned from them and I know I'm not saying like oh African slavers were in the right but I'm saying that it's nice to see agency being given where it's due and we're not just mm -hmm. like these passive savages that were just there didn't know what the hell was good like it didn't happen like Britain had to try really hard to get trading 
relations with Africa going to be taken seriously because Africans were like you guys are not bringing the energy like you're not giving what you thought (laughs) and yeah like and just how obviously there's hierarchies and civilizations in um, African countries just like any other country and they function people are oppressed regardless it's different I don't like when people say okay black people sold each other like it's different because you don't say French and English people um, act a certain way because they're both white like I think we should recognize a cultural diversity in Africa too yeah. but anyway my point is that I learned a lot the thing that changed my mind fully like in this transition um, to like where my politics is now is when, when it kind of clicked and I was like yeah you've been lied to for a few years is when one of my um, modules was British politics and um, we did about Stephen Lawrence um, and obviously oh, like yeah. the report and it was on this like page, one of my, another one of my favorite lecturers, like Andy Highmore, he like basically was talking about what systemic racism actually is and the definition of it. And I was like, you know what, regardless of like what um, certain people are maybe like consuming their concept think systemic racism is, if people are saying this is the definition they're using and there's a lot of evidence to support it, then it is real and legit and should be taken seriously. And these people that who have been like on the left have been paid as crazies who are saying that there's this conspiracy of evil people like no one's that's not even what it is like no one's saying it's deliberate um at least not today um and so that's when I was like yeah let me look at every definition that I might be having the wrong like interpretation of and again like I don't no matter what anyone says to me like when I was more conservative back in the day like which also was influenced by like my more solid like Christian views, but I, I don't care because I at the center of my politics has always been black people and wanting the best for us. And so it's like, just because I had different methods or ideas on how I thought it should be approached in the past. Um, yeah, critique me for the ideas, but not the passion or the intention that I had, yeah. the frustration I had with people like, you know, um, what I thought was victimhood at the time, but wasn't yeah. really. It was just um, being painted as such by pundits like, say, Candice Owens. Victimhood. That's um, that's an interesting one because that's something I always um thought about a lot in sixth form. Like I'd read um so many like Instagram rabbit hole. You know, when you're just reading comments and then you just two hours later you're still reading comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just like loads of posts about that sort of stuff. And I and then I would be like, yeah, especially I think about things in terms of like stop being a victim guys like we're still like when I talk thought about it in like sort of an individual sense I'm like you know we're not all we're not all like oppressed <laughs> if you want to put it that way or whatever but then like yeah. then now I started thinking about it more in terms of like everyone does have that in- individual experience and like even if you feel victimized in some aspects of your life that doesn't make that your, your personality or that doesn't encompass you as a person but yeah you you are a victim in, in some aspects and that can't be taken away from you so um, I yeah I've thought about that a lot as well yeah, I think another thing that is interesting if there's two things to it because like one there's whether we can agree or not that said people are victims mm. like whether they actually are victims of something on paper there's another aspect even if they're not the fact that they feel they are definitely hasn't um uh experience for them so mm. like for example if I live in a world where I have reason to believe that I want to go to a situation and have less advantage. Even just thinking that is going to put me at a disadvantage. On top of that, if, if it's true, that's a double disadvantage. So, like, I think people who disregard it entirely need to consider at least the second thing is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's a very complicated issue, obviously. But yeah, I think you know, in terms of, in terms of that, it, it's it's sticky. But I definitely really love Savannah how you people can see your thought processes, uh, thought processes on social media. Normally, social media, there's no thought process. You see a repost or something, but I can literally see you ask a question, take it in, consider it, and give your opinion. And I think that's so much more digestible than like a post I've seen reposted three times. So I appreciate I'm, I'm that. That comes across. Thank you. I think um again like with the victimhood thing I kind of don't I don't even use the word anymore because I think of the, the connotations it has but um I mean there is some legitimacy to it in terms yeah. of like being able to take control over your own life and how at the end of the day only you can control how you react to certain things or what you're going to do about it like absolutely but um I think I realize that in a lot of debates and stuff people tend to interpret people who are against like, and complain about victimhood, they tend to interpret it as, they just think that it's something that's purely reveled in, like in this very binary way. So I, this guy gave me an example. He was like, once I went skiing and I saw this five-year-old little boy and he fell over and then he like hurt his leg or something. And then he just got up and he carried on. And he said he was like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, no like he was a victim so, no he broke his leg or something and then like uh, I can't remember the story but the point is that he got back up and I was like no like I think you need to understand that he was a victim of an accident that happened and then what he did was he didn't just go and walk on a broken leg like an idiot and not address the obviously okay his parents probably did because he was like five but <laughs> but the point is that you have to address the problem because you yeah. recognize you've been victimized by something and then you don't revel in it like he didn't yes we should congratulate the child for carrying on now that they've like been mended but to ignore the fact that some like an injustice has been done is like so absurd and, and, and I don't think there's and but again he was like but he's not a victim because he got back up and I was like no like okay if you don't like the word just say that but by definition he's still being victimized by something and yeah again a lot of the time you're just debating semantics and you don't even get to like the actual issue at hand yeah, that uh, kind of brings on to that point that we were speaking about in terms of do people who make these arguments, especially these like more conservative arguments, uh, just kind of break things down so it's down to the point where it's impossible to have that conversation in, as a guise of rationality um, when really it's just a way to like distract away from it so they can keep things as they are? Majority of them, not all, but I'd say it's like, Okay, so a lot of my dissertation was about, um, I don't know if you've seen the debates around like critical race theory, but it was yeah. kind of like um, in defense of critical race theory in terms of um, how it can function as a framework. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's not, it, should, it shouldn't be banned is what I'm saying. And um, the, a big chunk of like one of my chapters was just going through definitions and how a lot of time is spent on the semantics. But then what you realize is that even when you, both understand and agree on the definition you've come you've done that hours of debating you've agreed the definition even agree that you just happen to be using different definitions they'll still be like yeah so like the phenomenon you describe doesn't exist anyway and it's like <sighs> so what would be your definition of critical race theory just so we can get like a um i'd say critical race theory is at, 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 it's more of a verb than a noun so it's like, it's a doing thing. It's like a framework or a, a, a way of looking at something to- um, Have you so, like a lens or something? 
yeah a lens like how you would use Marxism to understand something from a class perspective you're specifically focusing on that it doesn't negate the fact that other factors exist Mm. it's just saying in this case I'd like to focus on race because y'all have not been like doing it very well so for example I think I know it stemmed from critical legal studies in the 70s in the US and it was kind of like um that 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 field kind of functioned to address the power dynamics in law and how it was reinforcing kind of um, oppressive structures that weren't helping like the people they these laws wanted to actually help but then critical race theorists were like inevitably like okay but you're not really talking about race and it was kind of a response as well to the civil rights movement saying yeah we made great gains but because it's like people are kind of complacent now because they think oh we've done everything we need to do yeah and racism as you guys can probably like just know just like from observation changes in its forms like over the centuries so it just looks different as you go for different decades so the point of it really was that racism is a lot more um, covert now and so you can't be using the same solutions of um, you know color blindness everybody love each other basic equal rights etc etc when there's still some um, things that need addressing um, color blindness what do you think I'm gonna go ahead and say that that's not a thing <laughs> that makes sense to me <laughs> um, because I, yeah I think in in terms of like I I don't see color it means I'm friends with everyone like I get that you can be friends with everyone but you do see color like it's a factor it's it's because the people who tend to say it tend to be racist so it's kind of annoying that it's got that connotation but I think Coleman Hughes opened my eyes to a different way of using colorblindness that I'm not, I don't agree with him necessarily, but I'm open to the idea that colorblindness in policy mm. may be better than, um, that. that's more what he's going for than race-based policy. And I'm just waiting for him to release his book in defense of colorblindness. But for now, I am more in the case that the reason why, regardless of where I've been on the political spectrum, I've always hated colorblindness. Like I've always said that if you feel like you need to not see somebody for who they are to treat them the same, then you are the problem. You should be able to see people and their differences and still treat them the same. If that makes sense, like you don't have to see everyone the same, like as equal or blank states. You know, like those um white skittles yeah like that all yeah. the same you shouldn't have to see that just to treat people with respect it's on you as a person to see the differences and still treat people with the same respect I, I, I don't I don't think kidding yourself or pretending people are the same I don't know like I, I get the concept but most of the time they're chatting rubbish and they treat you differently regardless I think um from what I can understand correct me if I'm completely wrong Common hymns, I love common hymns in terms of interesting thoughts to go with. Uh, I think from his kind of thing, I guess, is like we need to have colorblindness as an ideal. It's not necessarily what is existing now, but we need to have something to work towards so that hypothetically um, race, skin color can be like hair and eye color. I think him and like Sam Harris kind of have that thing where that's the idea, um, which I I definitely like that. But I appreciate there's one thing to say that's where I'd really like to be and there's another thing to say where we're at right now. So I think, like you're saying, most people are saying they went uh, there right now and not appreciating the obvious links between um, race, culture, 
and, and racism and things like that. However, I'm, I just thought of it when you were saying the other way around, like, for example, if you see me, someone might see me and then use your argument, let's say, to say, I, I see your colour and I accept you for it. But unless they've had a conversation with me, they might be accepting the wrong things, right? So they might be saying, because you're black, I'm, I'm appreciating these things about you, but they might not be things about me. Do you know what I mean? There are certain things in terms of my yeah, position. Yeah, for sure. Like um, they can, so they can kind of be sensitive to the fact that I'm black, and that probably means certain things about my experience externally. But like, they could also have the opposite effect. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and project things onto me, um, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Like, so it's so contextual because, okay, I don't want my teacher to assume that I'd rather do sports over like <laughs> maths, like as they have in the past. Yeah, but at the same time. A lot of people struggle with Coleman Hughes, for example, because I think you can be anti-racist and have different goals. So while Coleman Hughes might be like, I want to get to a point of that, you said, like, you see it as like your icon and stuff. Some people are like, I freaking love being black. And I want people to be black and come up to me because I'm black and be like, yo, like, I I don't know, just inevitably, like, I might gravitate towards black people just because it's, but then that's based on the environment, isn't it? I'm, I'm yeah, I think to... there's pros and cons of like it's it's a human thing to reduce like packs information down to certain patterns, and that's why also racism always going to come down to. There's pros of that, which is um, if it's a negative thing, I can be aware of that, which has more cons than pros. But you could say it from a pros point of view. There's pros to say like, oh, if I know that you're black, I can make certain assumptions in terms of furthering like our conversation or rapport. Like, oh, if you're black and from this country, blah blah. blah. So there's pros and then, but there's there's cons. But I think a lot of people try and pick one or the other. You can't. You have to accept they all exist. But maybe try and account for the negativity more. But they both exist for sure. Like you're always going to make assumptions and stereotypes. They can't. You can't do away with them. You can't. You know. Apart from changing the actual facts, like one in that scenario. Well, never yeah, be- exactly. If we all were actually the same, <laughs> just like yeah, the so babies. Like- if ginger people had always did a certain thing, then that, that ginger would become as important as race. Or yeah. if they were told, if we were told by the media that they did a certain thing. So either the media has to stop or we have to actually stop being put in a certain position for that stereotype to not perpetuate, if that makes sense. Imagine if designer babies is an actual thing and we were actually all the same. How insane would that be? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I just actually think about it like I swear like that would just be the maddest thing ever if we all had a baby if we had what babies had a baby that it was all the same obviously that I hope that never happens is eugenics you're talking about (laughs) babies that are all the same race (laughs) is it actually possible just a question is it actually like is it just illegal or is it yeah is eugenics What's that show called again? Orphan Black. Yeah, with the clones. They yeah. all tell different anyway, because <laughs> it's all environmental. But yeah, I guess it would be an interesting social experiment, but also like mad on ethical. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Just not everyone the same race. I mean, the, the, the place to get there would be uh, difficult. But uh, Black conservatism is what I want to put to you guys, because I know you both came from that place originally of juggling those two things. Dun dun dun! Does that freak people out? I bet people who are watching would be like, "Black conservatives? Ah, what are you? Not <laughs> even human? Ew! I have actually 
my uh okay so i'm on the left but clubhouse has been very interesting to like obviously listen to different viewpoints access to different people and black conservatism is a lot more diverse than i thought it was um and i shouldn't have been surprised but I'm disappointed also. But my point is basically that there was a there's a massive room and group of black conservatives, like a massive segment that are very much um, concerned about and want to use conservatism to fight white supremacy, for example, um, white supremacy as a social like construction as opposed to like you know just white supremacists is what I'm referring to, and it's really interesting. Like one of the biggest like people advocating for critical race theory for example which I've been seeing is this black conservative guy and a lot of the time it's because their conservatism is informed by um you know like Christianity um, and evangelism um so you know it it makes sense and that's why I sometimes get really frustrated with like again people on clubhouse like lefties who will say stuff like oh, just, I could never be friends with or speak to a black conservative. Like, they actually make me feel like, like they don't, they, they hate people. They hate, they want everyone to die. I'm like, okay, but your mom's a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> You're really second generation immigrants, yeah? And your parents are more time conservative. Like, shut up. Like, this person who's feeding you every day and you're yeah. saying you never talk to them. You're just you're performing man just or you're not thinking at least because they think in such crazy binaries that they, there's just no room for like okay disagree with like for example I can disagree with um women who I think like I respect that you want you have this choice that you want to like rely on your husband like for how to be a housewife or whatever but I'm just gonna say I do low-key think there's some internalized misogyny there and that you're kind of reinforcing like a bit of like you're not helping yourself by relying on someone like I will still comfortably have that viewpoint and allow people to do their thing and respect why they're doing it these these people are just like they just come up with these crazy binaries about like you hate people you don't want them to live and while forgetting the whole context of why people may hold socially conservative views most black people that I come across day to day have pretty con- what we'd consider conservative views on social issues they just vote Labour because they're the only party that was really backing their civil rights for decades like you know just loyalties kind of yeah. thing and so it just really frustrates me just just that complete regard for context disregard for context sorry yeah I feel like that gets in, um, to my how do you say coined but in the never mind to me talking about narcissistic liberals <laughs> basically just a concept of a certain demographic of liberals who just want to shove all of this down your throat and yeah it's like oh my god if you're conservative that means you hate everything and everyone and that you just like do you just don't like people and like you don't just dis- you disregard like people's values and everything and I just think to myself how are you actually saying that like that is the least nuanced thing I've ever heard and you know like people on like dating apps they'll be like I like chicken I I go on long walks in the park I will not date you if you're conservative <laughs> and I'm just like I'm not gonna lie I personally wouldn't I don't want to date someone more conservative than me I'll be honest yeah. but it's not like completely out of the park it's just I just I just I, I can I can't be asked for the debates and stuff in, to, in this position, like a, to make it such a, like a visceral thing like how would you like do you know what I mean even if someone someone it's like 
basically saying that even if you vote conservative, that means like you are inherently all of like, do you know what I mean? It's just like saying like, what is what is a conservative? Or like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like that. I, that. I was saying yeah. to Savannah, you mean in, in this position so that a lot of their views are very strongly conservative and it kind of doesn't kind of mix well with your with your life if you were to share it? Or do you mean if they have voted it, the just it's just too sticky to you that um, you want to say something and that'll get you into too many arguments if that makes sense it's like um okay if you first of all if you're like a consistent voter of conservative like party we probably just will not like have much politically to get along with anyway but mm-hmm. i think that it's just because the men that i happen to come across who are more conservative than me also share other viewpoints that just don't work like with wider things beyond politics um and I just there's only so many things like I prefer someone who's apolitical and it doesn't really like pay attention and is open to like hear my perspective and I don't want to say learn as though like I'm the you know the teacher people say you know learn and educate people I'm like Uh, okay but you need to keep learning as well you know moving like you're a professor like everyone is learning (laughs) from you um like critique me if you don't agree with something I say oh that's another irk maybe we'll get to this later I nearly went off on a tangent about how Uh, tangents are always welcome I really hate the idea that okay you know how like there's this idea women can't take like accountability yeah I have this theory recently where I think it's kind of rooted in the idea that when men and women have like debates like especially in a relationship women are like painted as like being the irrationally emotional one and therefore there's this like men kind of teach each other let them just bang on about it have the last word and then just keep it moving and that's it and I'm just like you don't even give women a chance to be held accountable or to have their ideas critiqued because you just view them as emotional and not actually trying to rationalize what they're saying because emotions and rational are not they're like often falsely like dichotomized for me, like whereas they actually inform each other. And I just think that the things that men tend to be more emotional about are just like socially like more accepted or palatable. And so it's it's okay to be, but like when a woman's been emotional, like she's obviously being irrational right now, just just let her bang on about it. And, like, and I'm like, well then how do you expect people to take accountability if yeah. you never you want actually challenge them? Like, you. Exactly. Like I always say in a relationship, if someone's not, if I say something not ridiculous or if I say something I disagree with please then come and be like oh Louise um, thank you let, let's, let's just dissect what you've just said and then we'll go on about it not just be like oh I'll, I'll let Louise think about Honestly. that and then the next time we disagree about it I'll go by her something like I don't want any of that challenge me at any point in time and that's I how hate it when men dismiss it. what I'm saying as if I'm saying it because I'm just being irrational or because I'm being Stupid emotional and like, oh, let Savannah just bang on. And I'm like, no, like actually address what I'm saying like you would with your boys, yeah, and take it seriously. And don't just dismiss me because I'm a woman. Like I, I, I've never been so, um, I, I, again, I don't know why I don't identify as feminist, but I think feminism is so useful for like analyzing like the majority of like social issues, like the more, I interact with and have male friends the more I understand them to the point of being like feminists I'd like kind of right like even if I don't agree with how like some go about um at least the loud ones that get a platform yeah. um that 
they are onto something and it doesn't mean that I therefore dislike men or I now hate men I love and more appreciate like my male counterparts but it's like y'all need a lot of help like and we um yeah there's some women that don't help it but again and most of the time it's it's just everything's just in some way rooted in some form of misogyny like it's this I cycle it's I, yeah. this crazy cycle and I, I can see why people can't be asked to be into politics because it's just a rabbit hole of like you you will start to overanalyze everything and that's surely that's not healthy even if there's some value in what you're analyzing i guess that kind of ties into what you're saying about uh, in relationships if women tend to express um you say when they express issues and then men are put uh, kind of like not giving them the space to have that communication maybe they're taking the point of view, I'm not, this isn't my point of view, by the way, but maybe they are taking the point of view, the kind of guys would do this, that if we start picking things apart to this level, even if we get to like useful conclusions for that specific point, it will dominate the relationship with negative energy and make the overall relationship not enjoyable to be in. I'm not saying, again, that, that's the opposite of me, actually. I'm the, definitely the kind of person who likes to communicate, communicate everything. Yeah. But do you, what do you think of that? I see some value in that, but I just don't think a lot of men think to that point. Sorry, maybe you're unique because, like, I I, I find no, I a lot of like well. complacency or like we're simple, we don't want much, and then like you turn around and like they're actually quite complex. And I think it's because the more complex you become, the more stereotypically feminine traits come out, and because that's not seen as something attractive or that you should literally hit the nail on the head. It's like they're not willing to get to that point of view and it's like compromise is important and if you can't even reach a compromise then why are you together like surely you can do that as like two and I think it's because I think that you don't have to fully understand or be able to empathize as in you know when like as in you can actually feel it like you understand it like oh yeah I've had that too I don't think you need that to be able to rationalize something so yeah. I can rationalize why you're upset and crying about this football game like you've been following them for years like the but I can't understand it like in the same way and I can rationalize why you're acting like this I think it's a bit absurd like you know you're not going to talk to me for the whole day but to some extent <laughs> I can't. and then but then in the same way like I don't want to say men, like, but men will like turn around and like, so women will be emotional about something. Like, I don't know whether it's a celebrity couple breaking up. Or These are very like stringent stereotypes I know, but like, and just not willing to rationalize it. And I'm like, but I thought you guys were the ones wired to be rational, logical beings. Why do you just not want to pick and choose what is worthy of like being rationalized? And it's uh, just- A lot of the time it could be that they don't want them to come to the truth. I mean, a lot of men uh, definitely like to keep control. They love, that. they love, they love to suppress everything. That's amazing. That's another thing. But hmm. <laughs> it's all coming out now. Men love to suppress everything. Space, no, 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 it's okay. It's, um, it, it will get to a point where they are like when when you say about the emotional, that like, the deeper they are, the more emotional they are, the more feminine traits they have, but rather the more conducive they are to having a healthy relationship. But that again the higher that gets the more they can become narcissistic right and then they just want to stop listening to, to they want to they first they'll be like okay let's analyze what you're saying like i really want to challenge you on this blah blah blah, blah. and then it will turn into now now let now i'm being condescending now it's like yeah you said this 
but it's still not it's still not the way I've thought about it or it's still not it's still not deep enough for me or do you get what I mean you know what it reminds me of the other day um I've had this debate a couple of times as well about how um men sometimes will say to me like oh have you ever spoken to a woman when she's like literally being irrational like ranting and everything like have you ever tried to speak and I'm like yeah like you know a lot of us have like you know parents will get upset with us sometimes or like you know just like random like friends sometimes in debate I'm like but you let me remind you as a logical being that you pride yourself in when's the best time to tell somebody your reasonable well thought out like viewpoint in the middle of the rage like logically let someone vent and get whatever they need to off their chest. Don't tell them to calm down, calm down, because it comes across as dis- very dismissive. And then when they're fine, then talk to them. Like, I just think you should do that with every human person, but to expect somebody, like, in the middle of, like, when they're, like, you know, venting or something, to be able to, like, just, like, oh, as soon as you say something, like, some crazy stat or something, they're just going to be like, yes, you're absolutely right. Let me just you have to first the first thing you need to do at least from what I've heard or like you know um is address like the issue like try to rationalize it and see if there's any like merit to it acknowledge it if it's there and then if there's things that don't make sense then address them like but trying to do everything at once and then saying oh it's her fault for not or even you know a man who might be doing the same thing like raging and then or sometimes guys will say to me that they were like they'll take out their rage, like they might have to like punch a wall or something after argument or go play FIFA with their boys. And then they'll come back and that's it, it's fine. They keep it moving. I'm like, no, like it's good that you went away and that of it, but you've just come back. You're not going to address it because you don't like the conversation. And then it's going to happen again. It's just this ridiculous cycle of like complacency that I keep finding. And then again, like I get that they're going to say like women will keep banging on about something. But if you don't address it, it's going to be banged on about, like, I, I think it sounds obviously like really biased. I think women are like a bit further ahead in getting to the solution. But I don't again, know. I don't know if I agree with that, you know, because I've had a, I've had been thinking a lot about in the past year about like women and, and their toxic traits as well. And I feel like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was, I was going to touch on that. Sorry, because I was, oh, right. was going to say that women are a bit further in like actually wanting to like have the conversation. But sometimes, because, again, we also, like, perpetuate, like, certain toxic traits, we were, like, as soon as a man is, like, or a man who's more willing to do that, like, ill, like, why are you, like, moving like a woman? Like, why are you yeah. trying to, like, be, what? You're emotional now. Oh, be em-. Like, it is possible. It, it does happen, and it doesn't help. It does, yeah. I, I do think, I think most things that we're talking about tend to be somewhere in the middle in the sense of, so, like, I, I think, for example, you could say in the same dynamic between um, a woman and a, and a man, and she's going constantly bring up an issue with a lot of emotion. I think you're quite right in saying that there's a reason behind that emotion. Doesn't mean there's not also a reason behind what she's saying. Um, you can't divorce the two. Doesn't mean it's, there's no validity, and he should uh, give her time to calm down and speak. But that's also taking away the agency that it would be better if she um, calmed down to formulate an argument and put it across initially calmly. And this, in the same way, he might be responding that way, not just because of abjectly not caring, because he might be feared of the fearing the intimacy right. that coming yeah. up and that conversation would give to him. We, men fear women a lot as well. Um, I think a lot of what comes across as misogyny is just is a lot of that is insecurity and 
you know what I mean? And pushing women away or putting them something else because really you feel that they're this um, thing that you're scared of, that you can't appease or whatever All the kind of worms and they just want to rip you open, which is a good thing. <laughs> we should all be sharing our... If you, if, you, if you have a partner, if you're in an intimate relationship with someone, half of your feelings shouldn't be bottled up like that's, that's so you're supposed to be able to be emotionally you're not really in a relationship if you're not if you're if you're keeping half of the things to yourself but then i'm from these days what is a relationship so we can i can't again i guess we can go into this whole, i don't know they don't exist uh, jeremy anymore <laughs> so me, no idea. yeah this is we've got too many okay this is not me trying to be conservative because i'm you know as, as i said i'm i'm still the, i'm still that centrist uh, jeremy. <laughs> but like it is the pros and cons you get with liberal boundaries of uh, obviously you have full term, you have relationships, you've got your parents who are married or, or whatever they are, you've got dating or whatever, you've got so much in between that like the ground rules of how you should interact aren't obvious. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So like someone might say, oh, why are you acting so much? We're just seeing each other. Why do you, do you get what I'm saying? But clearly you've been seeing each other for six months. You obviously say stuff when you want something, I love you, blah, blah, blah. So people were married by then. Like, <laughs> just because you haven't said boyfriend or girlfriend, you're living together, you do everything together, there's feelings there, but you're, you're using that label to put off what you know you need to do to be on the same level with them. Do you know what I'm saying? So I feel like there's a lot of underneath stuff people got to figure out no. if you're not in like a conventional thing where you can say like, oh, we're married. You so. have, yeah, you can't, you can't, you actually can't be in a non-conventional relationship if your communication skills aren't up to standard it doesn't work you will end up you'll you'll end up being tears ending like in something horribly because yeah, yeah there needs to be a level of communication where you can be having these conversations of um we're this and this and this is the established boundaries and blah blah blah, blah. but those people don't want to have the awkward ones yeah yeah like literally like if you're in an open relationship for some reason then you decide that you have first of all you have to obviously establish the boundaries and then second of all if one of them happens to be you have to let the other person know when you're going to go and do something then you chose that path like yeah. you're going to have to communicate it otherwise that is in of itself some kind of form of like cheating because you're breaching the contract yeah um and that's why I get why some people are like I just can't do it I don't think obviously like they usually say because of the jealousy but it's just so complicated um to like do those checks and balances rather than something you know a more like simple relationship where you're both like yeah but even those are complicated because even those because people like, are doing micro cheating yeah yeah <laughs> literally like micro cheating yeah micro cheating so what like um in, in what you're saying in uh like full relationships people do that same thing but they do it through like emotional cheating kind of thing is that you're like as in setting boundaries like because some people I think it's very easy to just assume how a relationship should be just based on what you've seen and if you don't communicate that to other person you yeah. think there's a certain way your relationship should, like for example I remember Abram preached the other day we were talking about this guy came on saying like he feels like his relationship's really boring and they don't do anything and they should be going out and stuff and he was like okay well are you like happy with how it is like do you like it like just sitting at home and she's like yeah like, I, I normally do that by myself anyway it's like as long as like her silence is like comforting and it's not like you feel like you need to be doing something and you both enjoy being boring together that's fine like some people go traveling all the time but and so in the same way I think that you need to set boundaries like for example oh do you want this person to be like commenting under like other people's pictures like in a certain way 
or do you like and if you both can't hack these then like just save yourself and just don't be with each other or you maybe you need to change something with yourself um that is a bit unreasonable in some sense um yeah I don't know I, I mean I, I don't literally like I was scrolling through Instagram like about um, an hour ago and I saw this guy who I know has recently got into a relationship and it, like I always see his likes under like women with like um bikinis and stuff like women that look nothing like his girlfriend and I know it's like none of my business but I'm just thinking if that was my man I'd feel like awful but I don't know if that's an unreasonable way to feel but it's just like I always see your likes under these kind of pictures so it's just like I, I don't know like it makes me feel uneasy but also it's not cheating it's just I think you can't suppress those but also to be fair I don't really like things on Instagram so for, but like do you get what I mean even if you yeah. are in a relationship you're still going to be looking at that person down the road being like I want to bang them absolutely I, I think as you don't publicly announce it what thousands yeah. of people who have nothing to do with it can see that public affirmation which makes it feel slightly different like it's not explicit but it says something it's different like they can easily as you say just see it or wherever it is they've gone out of the way to like it what's that reason is that so it comes on the timeline or is it something go do that as well it's actually really weird because it is like I never like that is just weird. Like, why are you liking it? Just surely, just think it in your head and then move on. <laughs> it's not even your friend. Like, it's a whole bunch. Yeah. Like, why? Are you... And I'm like, obviously, it sounds so possessive. Like, you're saying someone can't double tap a photo. Do you know what I mean? Just so express, but but it's I don't. It's just the connotations with it. Like, we're not. I don't think we're used to this as humans. Like, there's certain things we're not meant to see. Like, you know, social media. Like if someone's well, if you if I would go outside now, I, I again I saw a video of a Carla saying this morning, like if I went outside in my pajamas and someone thought I looked a bit funky, in their head they're saying, mm, this guy needs a bit of help. Yeah. He's not gonna hear that. But then if they go and put it on his Twitter now, he sees hundreds of people say, like, I don't even know if we're evolved enough to be hearing so much stuff over people's opinions on this or seeing it is mad like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I do think like in terms of like the relationship, I don't know. When when it comes to relationships, Instagram, all that stuff should just don't even look at it. Don't look at you know what's so so unhealthy for relationships? Snap maps. Ooh, so yeah, so friends when they were a thing. It's obsessive. Because then it's like, where's where are they? Oh, that looks like a house I've never been to before. It's not just that because you can. I mean, I've not had Snapchat for years, but like if it's the kind of thing because it exists. If you don't have it, it's like why don't you have it on? Yeah. And if you do have it, you're looking. So it's like, it's like best friends. Like, they turn their snap maps off. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah. It should. It, it, but it's built to, for that kind of stuff. I think. I think they do that all kind of stuff. Evil. That is evil. That is evil. Yeah. yeah. My mom and almost didn't let my brother get Snapchat because of snap maps. She's like, people can know where you are. Like, it's okay, mom. It's turn it off. Um. So I guess there's different reasons. But also, I only have mine. Um. I only let people who are like my close friends, like who yeah. I live with or something, see it. Cause like you never know if you're gonna get kidnapped. God forbid. At least they know where they know where I am. But um, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, I get, I get, I can imagine the implications of that if you're in a relationship. I think I found a mate uh, completely drunk on night out with Snapchat once. So can... no, you do find people on Snapchat. So it is good. I think well, it's level of self control because when it's right there, you have to like be like, I'm not gonna look at Snap Maps. Like, I'm not doing it. But that takes a lot of thing when it's just swipe across and you can see where they are. Yeah, yeah. I think it's what another point that came up with stuff we were saying is like, I think kind of the, the whole you're saying it seems too possessive to say, oh, don't look at pictures like pictures, it's just a tap. 
I think that is kind of sometimes just gaslighting. It's just guys doing what they're doing, but then using like work rationale to make the girl feel like she's got nothing to worry about. So for example, if they'd like to picture the girl catches him and he'll, he'll just be like, oh, but are you really that kind of girl who cares? Uh, are you that kind of possessive girl? She doesn't want to be that connotation of, of possessive. And so she's like, oh no, that's, no, you're, um, you're silly. So that's just, that can be uh, gaslighting as well. I just yeah, think all the time, like, if you are going to do these things, like, do you know what I mean? If you are going to be looking at hot girls 24-7, I don't care. Just don't, like, for instance, porn. People in relationships look at porn, but they're not going to be, like, to their partner the next day. Oh, by the way, like, I was just watching porn last night and blah, 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 blah. Like, just keep it to your, keep all of these things that aren't meant for relationships to yourself and you won't have these problems. You know, like, some people would argue that, porn is what keeps them together because they enjoy watching it together so it's all about That's literally true. setting those boundaries and like if you are actively watching porn in secret and you know your partner wouldn't like it then it's just like it just seems like a violation of this contract that you should have with each other um, or at least should have been discussed at some point because why are you hiding them like do you know what I mean it, 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 it's a sticky one though it is a sticky one no you're right it's all about boundaries and yeah. um it's not only the com- communication, it's also being honest with yourself in that conversation. So you need to actually admit, if you have certain things that you do not tolerate, say it. And then, yeah, if you want to have five partners all together, if you want to do whatever, as long as you're both on the same page, it's cool. But I feel like a lot of people are getting into those situations because it's the thing to do, or they've been told that they, you know, they're not woke enough, or they're, they're falling into conventional monogamy and they're getting tricks, blah, blah, blah. But really, it's that they struggle to form genuine attachments and they want to do they want to see with multiple girls and you know what i'm saying and the girls who don't yeah, want to it's so yeah. difficult to like yeah, you don't want to gaslight people about them saying like oh about the polyamorous or something um yeah. but sometimes you do wonder like hopefully this isn't just that you've had like certain issues with um commitment issues perhaps with people and then but then at the same time if you can commit to three people and surely you're the expert of commitment right what i'm it's, saying yeah. relationships in 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 my head open relationships only make sense if you if it's you're in one relationship and then you're literally just having physical relations with other people in my head it doesn't make sense oh have- i know what you mean like there's different types yeah yeah, yeah. but some that's people are like having actually like four let's say boyfriends at the same time and to me that's actually how do you have the capacity to to be in that like so i've heard psychologists say that sorry I've, so I've heard psychologists say that you can only have like up to say three four like really close relationships and sometimes your family even fill up those spaces already yeah. um yeah. which says others like it's not to say you don't, can't have like extensive like friendship networks and stuff but in terms of like people to invest in on a daily basis like really that's it like what you have room for yeah definitely definitely and it makes an, an impact that I think, again, we're not addressing, because I think with sexual liberation, which is really important, and don't get me wrong, this isn't trying to be like um, against any of that sort of stuff. It's it's come to a part where like we're not being fully honest about certain things that we do kind of need to be honest about. It's like, let's explore all of this and have all these things and break all these structures. But we have to be honest if we actually do want those structures in place. Well, the implications of it. Mm. Um, like, I am quite... Um, obviously I'm still like looking into it but I'm quite like um firm in thinking that regardless of your um sex that um wait why am I forgetting what the word is promiscuity isn't good for anyone um, 
like at least from what I've seen like studies wise in terms of like the mental health implications I just think that because men in general don't tend to um you know think or care about their emotions anyway or address them like effectively um or at least maybe they do it. I've, I've heard a lot of people's pushback and say more recently they do, they just do it in a different way and with their boys as opposed to women who might like actually put, you know, put them down. Yeah. Um, I, I would, my argument would be, you know, doesn't mean to not try, like just find yeah. the right person for you that is willing to like have that conversation. But yeah, um, but it's then justified saying, well, men have like high testosterone and therefore, they should like they you know it's okay when they do and it's just like uh, why are we using that's not we're slaves to biology like if something has been proven to be detrimental to you then do something about it like stop this like excuses excuses like oh i i have to do this because i won't actually feel anything i just think it's strange yeah i, I agree security is a is a is something that if you it just depends how you think about like sex like if you if you think sex is something that you can just do and you want to do and it doesn't really affect you emotionally then fine but I feel like for a lot of people they're having they're having they're being promiscuous because of like what society is telling them they want to go back to the to the boys and be like I banged three girls last night yay like do you know what I mean or they want to be like to other girls like yeah like I'm available yeah. I'm this much of a lad and this much of a guy like you can't tie me down yeah. sort of thing then it's a weird challenge <laughs> it's like, different. yeah it doesn't have to be as like it's evil it can just be okay people like donuts right it's not good for you if you constantly eating donuts it doesn't mean you're evil or a bad person it means yes you might have an inclination to have that thing maybe it's a bit of a loose example here if you have an inclination to have something well there are loads of things that are addictive right i'm just making a silly yeah, yeah. i had a lot of donuts yesterday that's all there you well, yeah. go. It's not, not quite this. It's not quite the same thing, I guess. But like, um, yeah, there are there are certain things that you might want. Fine, you don't have to have, and if you have too much of, will have some negatives. You can rationalize to say like, oh, I exercise today, or it's fine. I treat to myself today, and you can say to yourself that it's not gonna have an effect. But you really like at least do your research because yeah. at least you're saying like, I think you're saying the important thing is that you are okay with that. But do your research on again. It's a psychological, biological thing sometimes. Like, see what the research says about how that how that's going to affect you in ways that you might not be being honest with yourself about and it does if you, if you want to take that risk then as an individual you can but I'm just saying that like to glorify it without talking about the implications of it can be different like I think sometimes that's what um there's there's critiques from feminism from all angles but some would argue that you know more liberal modern feminism today um, kind of doesn't address the implications sometimes and then it kind of says you know be free but not what sometimes freedom can mean in some respects so it's like I, I don't like again that term like women trying to be men because I think again that has different implications that are, annoy me but in in the terms of sex I think sometimes it can be like men do this we should be able to do it. you should be able to but is it something to aspire to? Mm. Not necessarily. And the risk is so much higher for women. I just don't think the risk that like, you can talk about the risk of sex and then provide what to do about it. But like the fact that you're the one that will have to be carrying a child and the implications of it if something goes in a way that you don't want it to do. Men can't even sometimes empathize with that because it's just not something they're going to experience. And I know men will turn around and say, oh, but the financial cost, okay, but you're not going to die maybe in childbirth. Like, shut up sometimes like just be the mere fact that you have to even go through anything that means that you're pregnant like there's so much about pregnancy that that 
even when you're two weeks pregnant like the psychological implications of that would be insane and yeah Yeah. it's quite mad (laughs) that's why I'm not um, and the contraception as well like the fact that there's no male contraception that's really mad to me I don't really know what's happening with that (laughs) or difficult ones I've seen a lot about vasectomies um I literally I'll see two videos at the same time saying completely different things one saying it's reversible you know you should try it and another saying it's usually not reversible don't try it and it's like oh it's difficult it's really difficult it's a really interesting uh, a thing on Netflix it's all about like different things uh so like childbirth uh, attraction blah 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 one of them's on contraception really interesting like basically oh, yeah. about it's revolution of things how once it gets into the market there's no incentive to make another or better one until they There's get sued. Not a better one. It's literally been the same since. No, no, no. So I'm saying the reason why the progress is so slow is because women, because contraception is like on a macro scale, is so beneficial to women. Then they'll take um, whatever it is that they get. Basically, they'll do the job despite all the things it does for them negatively. And so there's no incentive other than the obvious moral incentive to uh, make it better until they're sued oh. out of it and they make it iteratively better and then that's sure. the reason why the male contraception is not happened yet because um all you need us to do is, is one person to be um protected and because women are now or feel like they now society has put the pressure on them to be there's no need to develop put the money in to develop a male one yeah do you know what i'm saying it's bad yeah. though. like the pill is literally addictive but it is it's so bad for you it, it's, it's literally some like sort of drug like once you're on it it's like there's no going up there's no going off this even though I might be infertile even though blood clots That's all of scary. this stuff like there's not really getting off it because it's just amazing in but lifestyle or just for lifestyle and like but the thing is it's not like it hasn't changed since the 1960s like the formula actually hasn't changed there's actually so many risks of it but your doctor will be like it's fine it's the pill it's just it's the pill everyone's on it it's all fairyland, but they, they can. They can put money and time into, into making a better one that doesn't have all these random weird side effects like in the future and stuff. But again, like you said, they don't really feel like they need to. Yeah. It's the problem with like when you have an issue in society, like something that's suppressed and you're not supposed to enjoy it, at least not enjoy it publicly, especially for women. It's like then you like super like overshoot it to address the issue and then it's like okay but like this is like all the implications of like doing that that like we kind of need to talk about and it's like okay yeah this is a very valid point women should be able to speak about like you know their sexuality um you know within good reason like properly without like the same um without like over criticism yeah 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 in the way that men are like it's fine for them it's normalized but at the same time I just think that um, the risks aren't addressed enough. And I, it's like, oh, I enjoy sex, but also like, can we talk about other stuff you can enjoy that are less risky? Like, because yeah. why do you like, for example, you know when people like have friends with benefits, for example, like I get it, I, I get it completely. But in the sense that if you're seeing this person like really frequently and you get along and stuff, it's just like, it's basically like borderline relationship, like expect to be, emotionally in turmoil do you know what I mean yeah. don't be surprised when certain things pop up like okay you see this person once a month you never text them maybe that will function but why do you need this person then like if you don't need yeah. sex that much like do we even need ah oh, it's no, so masturbation the thing okay. I just want to put that out there it is a thing no, you you're right I think having mad sexual relations with people if it's not actually beneficial to your life 
well, you don't right. really have to. Like, you can if you want, but I'm just saying, like... Yeah, I think, like, what you're saying, masturbation has become, like, the centerpiece for um, female sexuality, like you're saying, exploring it in a safe way. And I think that's... There's loads of really, really good and important parts to that. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to sex, I think people need, as I say, need to be honest that lots of things are psychological and there's uh, psychosexual stuff there. And you might think that what you're enjoying is just mechanical, the mechanics of it, let's say. But yeah, it, it's, it's intimacy that in other ways that you think that you're Literally, getting. It's probably just that you're just missing out and, it, and it's just nice to just feel loved in some capacity. Um, even then, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And so, Savannah, tell us a little bit more about the concept you said the other day. Um, manosphere oh yeah um i find the manosphere very interesting right now i think that it's changed the whole like um concept of it just seems like an offshoot of the men's rights movement that has been like around for you know at least prominent like the last five years i've been seeing in the youtube community stemming again from probably incel stuff but more recently what's really interested me is specifically black creators talking about like the red pill when it comes to dating. Um, it's so widespread that I'd rather just keep it like specifically for the black community. But a lot of the arguments tend to be around, again, there's different genres, like some are talking about self-help and how to like, you know, focus on yourself and becoming a high value man. And so stop focusing so much on women and like, you know, sleeping around. Then you've got others who are like, actually, women are things to be conquered um you know kind of I don't know they don't explicitly say objects but might as well say it in that um you know this is how you can get women this is how you can sleep with as many people get as many women as possible and this is the truth because really women ain't like shiz and like um to do it but, so it's, but I'm more interested in the ones that claim that they are going back to traditionalism and because most people can agree that's like that's sort of a sort of misogynistic yeah. the ones who are saying um you know back to the traditionalism and what you know the role that men and women should really be playing and that these modern women they're just shaking their asses and they're too unrealistic and materialistic and if they do happen to be successful they're too combative and masculine and not marriage material so go for the more submissive women who are just you know beautiful and just do what they're supposed to do that's the problem. It's so dumb because, like, when you talk about the women shaking their asses and all that stuff, those are celebrities who are not representative, representative, representative of women in general. Like, that's just clearly quite obvious. Like, I'm very confused as to why that's like some sort of standard. I wouldn't say that's necessarily true or necessarily the point. I think there are lots of women who, I think, if we could say shake your asses as like, let's just say the TikTok culture, but that doesn't mean they're not. Yeah, but like, that's like what, like half an hour of your name like more like a few hours of your night at the club when clubs were a thing <laughs> and then the rest of the day you're actually just you know driving I get what you mean actually I get what you mean because it's like as if that defines you as like a person how you choose to um but then to some extent whether you're a party animal or whether you're someone like in some ways it is some inclination of like your personality type but it's just I think in some ways I was like you guys are dictating to how everyone should be. Like this model might work for you, but not everyone wants to be like that. But then I'm like, but technically, if you've got the stats to prove it, you have every right to critique people for how they're living their lives. Like people who are complaining they can't find someone yet are living in a way that is 
destructive. It's just that I'm not completely convinced by the argument of de- destructiveness because a lot of the time, like people like me, for example, or even perhaps like Louise would be considered as like masculine women because we're um we're very opinionated and like, you know, quite open and probably want to be um successful in the future um in terms of like a career wise. Um and it's just like I I just sometimes think sometimes that sometimes they come across as a bit unrealistic because in the society we live in um capitalism wise you need two people to be making a decent income like if you want to raise a child and it's you're actually very lucky if you can like have someone even there for the first five years or whatever like for the child that's that sounds like you know doing exceptionally well and Mm -hmm. that's why I think because they're so intimidated by the idea of adopting more feminine characteristics which might be necessary for a balanced relationship in that sense that you know obviously they've convinced these men that that's just not attractive at all but I get where they're coming from because there's there are some women well obviously a significant amount enough who who don't allow them to be able to do that like a lot of them just tend to be hurt men like do you get what I mean who have been in a horrible relationship and then yeah kind of hate women but they wouldn't they'd never call it hate women because as long as I like to sleep with women and attracted to them I can't hate yeah does that make sense yeah the rationale is rooted in a hatred that they don't recognize but it's but um they think oh I like to sleep with women therefore how can I hate them and it's like no like some of the things you're saying are very dehumanizing and don't but again like it's a some people my friends some friends will say turn around and say no like I've learned so much from the red pill community how to be a man so then I'm like maybe we're watching different content because it's so vast I'm just going to address the problematic ones um yeah I think often even the same content can have the problematic angles it's actually quite rare probably that it's separate which is what is kind of the bigger issue right because like you might have stuff that really works for you like you're saying self-help uh x y and z um like coaching in terms of get your job sorted blah 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 but then in the same those same people who you're now very much looking up to in terms of advice are mm-hmm. giving you that same advice about women and I definitely have seen what you're saying and I also am weirdly seeing women giving men a lot of advice um men have a lot of advice as well uh, but I'm kind of thinking they've got it backwards right like surely that advice actually should be for women and in like instead of saying oh men women are bad don't go for them these type of women or whatever maybe say like oh I think that maybe this would be uh, don't do this type of thing if you're a woman if you want this kind of outcome if that makes sense so it should really be building women up rather than just saying tear them down they're they're worthless or whatever which is you know what I mean that's not you can't just forget about yeah I mean I see a lot of content of women who are like pushing for um god what is the phrase kind of like hyper hypergamy and like hi, hi, I don't know I can't say the word like just hyper femininity and yeah. basically especially black women because the point is that basically the argument is the the trope of the strong black woman is actually detrimental to black women because they're saying that um it means that our femininity and our fragility is like dismissed and we're constantly like just seen as like um you know able to handle things not allowed to be emotional and vulnerable and um you know that kind of trope and it actually does us more harm than good and in, I see merit in that to some extent but I also think it also sometimes then leads to therefore an independent woman who knows herself is masculine mm. and it's like they're not necessarily the same thing like um 
I just don't understand how you can be upset with someone who's career driven in a world that revels in career drivenness. Like, yeah. what do you expect? Like, to blame it on feminism when we literally live in a world that requires that to be successful um, is just a bit. I don't know. It just seems a bit out of it's, touch. Yeah, and it's just, like fearful. Like, like what Jeremy said. It's like I, I always think this as well. I when I or, or like thinking about dating or being in the sphere around boys, I'm like. God, I can literally see the intimidation in your eyes. And it's like, how, how is just me speaking about things like so crazy to you? It's like, oh, she's so pretty and she's like dancing. Wow, like I really thought that was just what she was all about. And then she starts speaking and it's like, uh, uh, what is she doing? This kind of comes into the culture a little bit. Like when, if you're seeing women as like you're saying objects to sleep with, then what do you want to say? Okay, if they're dancing, having fun, you might think, oh, they're quite a social person. That might have connotations that are more easy to sleep with. As soon as you start saying something intelligent, it's like, oh, she respects herself. Do you know what I mean? And like, maybe that's oh, no, a productionist yeah. way to say it. Yeah. But like for me, the way I see women in terms of where I see, um, in terms of me, so my girlfriend, uh, I see it as a partnership. Would I want a partner, not somebody who's just basic, somebody who is uh, interesting, who wants to kind of, somebody I can see like building a life with. And so that means I want them to have X, Y, Z things. Whereas yeah. if I saw women as just like people to sleep with, then the advice is good, right? Like you would say like, oh, this is what you have to do to sleep with women who present this way. And this is what you have to avoid if you want that kind of material. So it's just about, do you know what I'm saying? If we're celebrating like um, hookup culture, then we're going to get stuff like this, I think, to navigate. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. We are, we, we, we are, we do celebrate that. Um, and yeah, you are going to get that sort of like, <laughs> what you are saying is pretty solid advice. The same for like, if you, if you went to a girl, you were like, like if you do this and do this, then you can sleep with that guy and never speak to him again, and it won't really matter. But like mm-hmm. we shouldn't, we shouldn't really be seeing people like that. If I'm being honest, it's quite, it's quite. But then, it's, yeah, and it's just, it's just annoying when people don't respect themselves, and then, and then they wonder why they were, they feel yeah. shit about themselves the next day. That's <laughs> what's not fair is that like men can go through phases of sleeping with loads of women, but then still be seen as dateable, like, dateable men. Whereas women can't, and I get that. That's that's true, um, but that that doesn't mean it's like because it's true. That's something to acknowledge. So I'm saying like if you're giving advice to women, you might want to say if you act a certain way, this is probably what's going to happen. Not because it's right, but just to be aware of it. I see the justifications though probably every week. A new TikTok video, someone saying, "Well, women have like the monopoly on choosing who they can sleep with." And it's like, yeah, but that's because you guys allowed that. Like, why are you allowing yourself to just be consumed by any woman that ex- allows you to sleep with them? Mm. What you're putting the onus on the woman for allowing you in her like personal space and not the fact that you're basically admitted you'd never say no to anyone. Like, yeah, that's mad. That? That's you what what I'm saying. Saying. If you went, okay, so if, okay, I, I've had a girlfriend for uh, five years, right? If I went on a night out and like a really good looking girl, uh, came on to me and I told my mates oh that girl came on came on to me they'd be like are you gay why do you not get with her kind of okay maybe not my mates but like guys yeah, in general. yeah, yeah, get you, yeah. Right? like regardless of the fact that like she aggressively came on to me or I have a girlfriend or any of these things it's like but yeah that's all stuff I, I respect that like she's great but why would you not do this it's not my mates but you know the guys would do that whereas if a girl did that even with an attractive guy they'd be like oh that's so rude how dare he like approach you so I think guys almost feel obliged I'm not even joking like this might sound like a cop-out not no, me, but you guys feel obliged to get with girls because it's seen as like um, 
something you should be desperate for. Yeah, you know, why like, wouldn't you? A hungry person, it's food. It's yeah. like you need as much of it as possible, which is not sex with me. Not one. This is the thing, though, that we try and get at that. It, it almost like you, because sometimes you get there somewhere, you get somewhere, you get somewhere, then you're like, you know, this is all rooted in like patriarchy, right? They're like, no, stop. It's like, yeah, but all the problems that like, we talk about, like, they just root it back to like, you're doing it to yourself sometimes. And it's like, it, that's why sometimes people just say like, as some women just get frustrated and say, oh, go and help yourself, which I don't think is productive, but I can imagine like, I get, I get the frustration sometimes because that sometimes men will complain about issues and it's other men perpetuating the issues. And if women are doing it, it's because they've learned it from other men. I don't, know, I don't have a problem with patriarchy if we say that it's a societal issue and society perpetuates it. I, I, think, I think the thing that, that doesn't work is because men think that patriarchy is like, you are doing something wrong. But patriarchy it, is a thing where Patriarchy like, is synonymous with men. That's the, what the issue is, I think. But I mean, what I mean is the patriarchy, I can agree, puts things puts a gender imbalance but I don't think it's about men perpetuating I think everyone perpetuates I do agree I think society yeah I agree I agree yeah yeah so but so we can't say like men do better it's everyone do better yeah you know what I mean yeah but I think if you have like considering like power dynamics if you're kind of in the position to have more like more power to do something then just logically, I think maybe you guys should do it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Does, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm happy to like and say that women perpetuate like these same toxic like traits as well. Um, and I, I don't know use toxic and patriarchy synonymously because again, that like implicates other stuff. But do, yeah. do you get what I'm saying? I guess. Well, I get what you're saying. I think like, there's an idea that it's happening to women. Like they perpetuate it, but it's because they're made to, and then men perpetuate it but it's because they're choosing to a little bit which like I get what you're saying in terms of power maybe luxury of choice but I think it needs to be more yeah. but young boys young boys aren't doing this on part like they're not growing up wanting to wanting to hurt people or do things that are detrimental to society they're being taught yeah. by they do have mothers and fathers they're, they're just being taught by people right so I don't exactly what you're saying like um with Jeremy about saying like is it's a choice for men and, and not a choice for women I, I don't think so because boys and girls are very much quite similar when they are 10 years old five years old do you get what I mean so we need to be we need to be teaching I again I do think it's about the younger generation if we are teaching the young, younger generation um like similar values when it comes to being a man and a woman then who knows maybe society will get better but I do think like again, like I swear Kevin Samuels would like cry if he heard you say that because he's like, no, like we're fundamentally different. We have different roles to play, and therefore, um, just the idea that men cannot cope if they're not being a primary divide uh, provider. And I'm like, just because I think he's right doesn't mean that I think there's a biological basis that means that has to be the case. And I think it can actually put pressure on men, hence mental health issues. If you're not fulfilling that, mm. then you're not a proper man. But then I'm like, am I just blaming mental health on something that people should just be doing? And it's like, it's this cycle of like confusion because unless I go out of my way to go and do an extensive study on this and, and dedicate my life to it, then even so, two people will come out with very different conclusions depending on what data you consume. It's it's mental so that's why I get why you have all these like self-help people who like have like sometimes completely different and again Kevin he specializes more in 
getting people married and he is successful in that but it's these people who are striving for that traditional um way of living but it's because he sees that as the optimal Mm. is the problem for me personally like I think he makes great points about women being unrealistic about how many six-figure men are available and who are there like you know and who who want them if we're being real but then he complains about women wanting to marry up and how they're being materialistic but doesn't talk about these men that he's saying are high value perhaps a high value in their pockets but they only want young beautiful women why are we not critiquing that why are we not critiquing what they're saying they want and how feasible that is and how sometimes it sounds almost predatory what they're asking for but I don't know like he just maybe maybe I need to watch more of his content like you have to see everything to have a valid point these days I guess it works both ways like if we want men to not have to feel they have to dominate and conquer everything in terms of financial and like just general social way then we've got to start showing men that it serves to not be that way like no, I, I'm not saying this is an onus to anyone, but I'm saying that would only happen if women started picking men indiscriminate of how what's in their bank account. Same thing with um, women. If we stopped, uh, what's it called, only going for women that were a certain way of hotness or whatever look or look or whatever, if we start going for women just because they are beautiful people inside and out, yeah, beautiful people, exactly that, that word. But again, if there is a biological reason or some intrinsic reason why women are going to keep picking men for power and money and men are going to keep picking women for youth and hotness then it's going to keep happening do you know what i'm saying so it's like do you see what i'm saying so so far i can go but i think the thing with us is we have the self-awareness to know how far we can go in some of these analyses whereas these people come up with their little theory and then they create a whole platform and then they have a bunch of thousands of misogynists following them and worshiping them because with all I I get it because there is nothing in the mainstream for men to discuss these issues like comfortably and so then you just end up with the extremist ones who and it's like where else are they going to go to talk about this stuff especially if when you do try and talk about it there's no room for the nuance that is necessary for men to address their problems online because they do sometimes slip into like and say misogynistic things but sometimes You'll say the word female, and I'm not gonna lie, I get a bit mm, when someone uses the word female. I'm like, mm, like, it, it, female like is that what? What's that? Yeah, get, mm, I'm like, mm, I already know it's gonna come out of your mouth next. Not always, but a lot of the time. But they'll use that. Um, sorry, actually, you need to use the use word woman. They, they can't even get through the sentence or profess what they need to say or you know express themselves so that it can be analyzed properly because we're caught up on like this perfection of how you're gonna present it and and for me personally like there's a way I, I try my best to like explain why using the word female is like you know questionable and what it actually um means and the way we use language but at the same time um again what I'm saying basically is a lot of our conversations happen online and there's just no room for that nuance when you have people like constantly on this like high horse of like correcting how someone can present themselves yeah. and kind of protecting their trauma on other people like oh you can't talk about that because it's triggering me and it's like who can control your triggers only you can do that like I'm not saying people can say any and anything but how can you bring people to a platform to talk about the issues and then not and then say everything's predicated about how you're going to feel about it. Like you actually have to just remove yourself from the space 
otherwise nothing will be solved but me saying that is like problematic apparently in of itself because I'm saying people should leave the room and issues come up but I don't I don't see any other feasible solution for it if you want people to have these conversations and you can't hack it then don't go away Do you, I don't know how else to say it like you can't be in the room then just yeah. there's like you can't learn the language to use if you haven't even got to that place yet like not everyone can just pick up um a book and has um you know read extensively what language to use when they haven't even come to terms with the fact that they have a problem like yeah yeah exactly what you're saying about the mainstream thing like it shouldn't be in all these weird groups it should be everyone talking about these issues together conducively for a better society it should be uh, conversations this yeah. person at this age and this person at this age having a conversation this person in this social um, bracket and this person it should be yeah. like a higher, higher wow what's with all this public stuff everyone has to know like everyone has to see your rev- you know revolution in public like there's no room for it like how can you yeah crazy man it's got to be safe space and it's got to be allowed a lot of people that don't like just the idea of what we spoke about that space don't want those spaces to exist but you can't do that as you say if you don't want to be in that space don't be there but they've got to have to flesh that out like there has to be if there's a room of white people speaking about can they use the n-word or not that's you've got to they got to if they want to have that space you can't stop that but i wouldn't be in there because that's going to cause you a lot of uh that's going to cause you a lot of issues if you're in there yeah, you can't yeah. spaces. You're just gonna have to. Yeah, it's just about people figuring out their their stuff and why they want to say that. For example, if that was the topic of that conversation, like what their issues are. Um, but yeah, so this was really good. I know Savannah, you've uh, got a very busy schedule. Um, yeah, we're enough to meet him. But thank you. Got to, so this was a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll do it again very soon. Yeah, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Bye.